My name is Daniel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts of The Disciples Mike, a podcast produced by Woodbury Lutheran Church in Woodbury, Minnesota. And this show is all about learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. On this episode, we are talking with Ben Griffin, former pastor at Woodbury Lutheran Church and now executive director of Link. You'll hear about Ben's journey that led him into the ministry, what Link is in his role with this organization, and how the church can address this problem of a lack of leadership. So sit back, get ready. This is The Disciples Mike. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Ben. Hey, good to see you. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing great. Thank you. Doing great. This is a this is a big day, Ben, because uh, Sarah and I have uh, upgraded our location of where we record this podcast. Just for you. Just for you. Wow. You are yeah. you are on the groundbreaking uh, day. We used to be locked in the dungeon. Yes. Of uh of the uh, the Wakota Ridge campus, but we have now been elevated to uh, the upstairs, and we have this beautiful. We have a view uh, now. We have a view oh, now. Gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the parking lot. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, notify the uh, uh, person, maintenance person, uh, to direct the AC up here instead of oh, downstairs. Sure. So, uh, if we start sweating, that's well. Uh, ben and I were just both in Houston. That's true. So <laughs> is, I think we're amazing. fine. <laughs> yeah. You, there is nothing that will. Was it was it pretty hot the um, whole time there? Yesterday, while we were at the airport. The, it felt like 104 outside. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. It was it was so hot and walking around in 100 degree weather. Yeah. I, I, was, bet. I was texting somebody about meeting them and I was walking outside and I kept going, oh, we're not meeting. So I turn around. Oh, we are meeting and I turn around. <laughs> so I ended up out there an extra like 15 minutes. I, when I had got to the meeting, I had all the ugly sweat spots. It was terrible. Good. All the ugly My sweat favorite spots. was the all of the when the kids took off their backpacks. Yes. All you saw was yes. the sweat like where their backpack <laughs> yes. used to be. Perfect line. And that was my favorite. That's awesome. Ben, do you like... Uh, the heat? Are you a, are you a warm weather guy, or do you love uh, the Minnesota cold? You know, if I have to pick, I'm picking the warm weather over the cold. Okay, yeah, okay. Sure. You, you like yep. you like the heat. That is how my wife is as well. Um, she is always cold. So I, I you know I think Houston, she would fit right in. That was a whole other level of heat, though. Yeah, that's like <laughs> it's an oven. No, no, yeah. nobody likes that. No, like it was it was hot, and there was no like you go in the shade, still hot. Go in the sun, it's still hot. You uh, come inside, freezing, because your sweat gets yes. cold. Yes, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they're just blasting the AC. And, yes, yeah. which is nice, but yeah. that I'm sitting shivering when I was profusely sweating, not 15 minutes prior. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can have a much better accommodations here uh, in the uh, upstairs in our new recording location. Uh, ben, we uh, on every episode of this podcast, we have our most uh, requested segment, which is <laughs> Sarah's random question. Who, who is requesting this? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> was that your question? No. Was yeah, Because that, that, that was random, that and was... the answer was very easy. <laughs> yeah, we all the feedback, which is only myself, says we need to keep doing this segment. Got it. Yep. Okay. Well, that's fine then. Uh, so I was thinking about this when you we were boarding the plane, I almost said loading the bus when you we were boarding the plane yesterday. Um, we, so Ben and I just had the LCMS youth gathering in, in Houston, Texas, which is a, every three year church body puts on this gigantic thing where a bunch of teenagers descend upon a city. And I, 
I, I love people watching, but I love people watching teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like it brings me so much joy to just sit and watch like these teenagers just walk by and be weird as they interact with each other. I love everything about it. So that got me thinking of, of my own youth gathering experience. I went to 07 in Orlando. Um, so my question for you is if you were to encounter teenage version like you. Oh, no. Well, I knew teenage version you. You knew teenage version me. Uh, but if you were to uh, like have to spend time with teenage version of yourself as oh you goodness. are an adult, how do you think you would feel about teenage version of you? Uh, wow. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very introspective question. Yeah. Right? This, yeah. Okay. So whenever I watch home videos of, of myself, like super young Daniel, you know, like... Um, Going all the way up until it's about like fourth grade, just funny, cute. But that that stretch from like fifth grade to like <laughs> honestly all the way to like sophomore in high school is yeah. just cringeworthy. Like I I can't even watch myself, and it's like you're you're at that stage where you're you're trying to be funny, but you're also immature, and it's just. Ugh. Thanks for bringing up those dark memories, Sarah. <laughs> it's my job. How about you, Ben? What was uh, what was teenage Ben Griffin like? Well, I definitely tell him to enjoy his hair while he had it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you have the flowing locks? Yeah, I didn't have great hair even when I had it, but at least I had it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's. But like, you would you ever either of you been like annoyed by yourselves? Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that just comes with the territory, right? See, I I've thought if if high like if adult DCE Sarah had high school Sarah in her youth group, like how how would I how would I feel about that? Yeah, and I think like it would go one or two ways. Like I would be like super annoyed by teenage Sarah, like the the kid you learn their name within fifteen minutes of them being with you. <laughs> would she show up wearing a dinosaur costume? Uh teenage Sarah, no. No. All no. Right. Teenage Sarah would Yeah, that came with maturity. Yes. That, that, that came later. That was <laughs> that the more age, mature version. The more mature did I obtain inflatable costumes. Yes. Um but if the technology would have been there in the early two thousands. I probably may have happened. I may have had at least one. Um, So it would either be like I'd be super annoyed with myself or I would be my favorite student. Okay. Like I could see it going both ways because this is like I have been this way like my entire life. You are who you are. Yeah. Like I've always been sarcastic. I've always been quick witted. I've always been a little aloof. (laughs) So I think I would either like, yeah, I, I either wouldn't be able to stand myself or I would think that I was amazing. Yeah. Man, that's a that's a tough question for a lot of people don't want to go back and mm. think about the uh the middle school years. But I think it's only because I center my lives like my day to day is with like teenagers. Mm. I think that's really it. Yeah. I think the encouraging thing for, you know, all the middle schoolers listening is uh You too can this be is, as you're, cool you're, as Sarah. You're at, you're at the it's only uphill from here. Well, not for everyone. <laughs> I mean, sorry, everyone is You're going to tell a kid, "Sorry, you peaked." <laughs> I actually did have this conversation with one of my high schoolers. Sarah, Sarah, I didn't tell him Sarah. he peaked. I was saying I hope I didn't peak in high school. Okay. And he goes, you haven't. He goes, I think you were lame in high school and you've just gotten better. And now you've probably plateaued. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Wow. 
Wow. You love the honesty. I love the honesty. <laughs> so, Ben, uh, great to have you on today. Yeah, uh, I know probably quite a few of our listeners uh, at least have an idea of you, who you are, maybe know you well, but some don't. And so can you give us just a little bit of summary of a little bit of your background, but maybe more specifically kind of the path that led you first into ministry, seminary, and then kind of ending up in your first call. I know that's a, a wide, wide yeah. question there, but just a little bit, a little bit about you. Yeah, you got it. And I'll do the, the briefer version. But uh, my first call, in case uh, anybody on this uh, podcast doesn't know it, was to Woodbury Lutheran in 2003, which is just amazing. Uh, where there was a young teenager, Sarah, <laughs> who was around. Yep. And what did you think of it? <laughs> You know, I, I can't remember all of our interactions, but they all involved some sort of shoulder punching. They did. Yes. It was like a thing. I don't even know how that got started either. I don't know either. It was what, probably on me. Did I punch you? You punched me? It was a little bit of both. I think it was bo- like you would punch me and I would punch you back, but I don't yeah. know like how we made this decision that that was how we were That's, always going to greet each other. That was our custom greeting. Like, I don't have that greeting with anyone else. No, to this day, Ben will see me like at a campus and often he won't say anything. Like the first time around, he'll just come up and punch me and just keep walking. Yeah, it's not a hard punch. No, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's be clear here. <laughs> he just absolutely yeah. just yeah, me. Do I need to report this? It was it was a loving punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it, it's more a love tap. Yes. Yeah. Like hey, I see you with my fist. Yes, with my fist. Yes. <laughs> yes. So 2003. Yes. To get back on topic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what led me into ministry? Well, it's really interesting because I. Interesting to me, I guess. I grew up in a pastor's house, and I always said I would never be a pastor. Mm. So be careful of your me- your nevers. Whenever somebody gives me a list of nevers, I'm like, yeah, uh, you might want to be aware of those. I know. I feel like God just, whenever he hears that, he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's great, because Kate, my wife, said she would never marry a pastor. She actually literally said she pitied the woman who would marry me. So, you know, oh we, getting, getting back to teenage me, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, my mom said that she wouldn't marry my dad if he was the last person on earth. So wow. S- similar thing, you know. Wow. And look at you. Look, look at me. you turned out. There's yeah. hope for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, so I was not, that was not the path I was thinking. It's not anything that I wanted to do, but I can truly say God called me into it. And it wasn't like a lightning strike. It wasn't like this, this divine moment. It was more like a series of little things over the course of a year. My my first year of college, uh, the school I went to had the route to go pre-seminary, and all these little things kind of tweaked. Like, like maybe I should be thinking about it. Maybe no, that's I'm not going to do that. And then right at the end of my first year of college, I walked into the office of uh, I forget the specific individual, but I just walked in. I said, "Hey, I think I'm going to switch my major." And it kind of kind of had that identity switch. Like I am going on that route to be a pastor. And then that summer, I went out to sell books door to door in the middle of mid-state New York, uh, Utica, Rome area, which was Mm. insane, crazy experience, life-changing. But when you're knocking on doors and you tell people you're a college student, they all ask you, like, well, what are you, what are you studying? Because mm-hmm. is this for real? Like, if you actually get to talk to people, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and um, if they don't punch you, yes. and uh, they <laughs> they uh, they would often ask that, and I'd say, well, I'm studying to be a pastor. They'd be, yeah, right, yeah, right. So then they'd start asking me questions, or like some people were like, hey, do you do marriage counseling? I'm like, I like I'm 18 years old. <laughs> like, no, I don't do that, um, and you don't want me to do that. <laughs> But that summer of just saying that over and over again, and some, and I don't have time to get into them, but some very um, s- specific, spiritual, deep encounters that uh, just confirmed that in me. There's still a lot of working God had 
to do on me. And I had a number of times where I was like, is this what I'm called to do? One of the big ones being when I got to the seminary itself and was like, is this where I want to be? And there was another guy <laughs> yeah. across the hall from me. He's actually in the Twin Cities here now too. And he was all tatted up and he's like, I just don't know if I fit. And I'm like, I don't know if I fit. And we kept saying, let's just, let's just kind of, let's, push a little bit farther. Let's you you we can do this together and we'd play pool together and we'd we'd be like okay, let's do this together and then one year turned into two and two to three and all of a sudden like that just got confirmed more and more in me and then next thing you know I'm Woodbury Lutheran and on the route. Yeah. That, uh, took me took me down uh, the ministry path. And so did you know anything about Woodbury Lutheran when you got called there or was that I just... didn't know about Woodbury Lutheran until I interviewed. And okay. uh, this is uh, Dean Natasty was leading at the time, and he had been a professor at the seminary, so he was like known. So Natasty's coming to interview people, and that's like, oh, okay, I didn't know. I didn't even know I was, would be on the list for the church at the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, in the ancient, it was just past the dial-up days. So I was, you know, looking up <laughs> some things online. <laughs> that was my introduction in the computer lab. In at, the computer at lab, seminary. No, I had one at home. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yeah, we were. We were up to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> up yeah. at the times. Nice. Yep. Uh, so then during your time at Woodbury, you went and planted a church called The Alley. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this passion that you have for planting churches and what that process was like? Yeah. You know, it's funny because this is similar. I didn't think I was called to plant a church, um, but Dean Natasty uh, said to me, he goes, I think we should plant a church. And I, I think one of the reasons is because I think you're wired to do that. And and Dean is just an amazing guy. And if mm-hmm. he listens to this, I hope he hears this, because I do apologize to him almost every time I see him, <laughs> because uh, because I think what he was also saying, and I, and I just praise him for doing this, is that I don't know if you're wired to be an associate pastor, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think you might be wired to be a church planter, especially in those young years. Right. And uh, I just so appreciate the way uh, he spoke into me and directed and and uh, those things were affirmed in me, and my passion for planting came out of a, just a deep desire to reach more people, and then found my, there's a great affinity, very entrepreneurial, wanting to see new things tend to reach new people. And I had heard that, but man, to see that up front and, and on the ground, I mean, the alley in the 10 years I was there grew quite a bit, but largely grew through new believer growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have somebody year two in the ministry who's whose marriage is falling apart, he got his whatever, third DWI or DUI, whatever we call him in the state, and and he's like, everything's ending, and then in that moment, like, turning his life over to Jesus, like, seeing that salvation moment where Jesus takes and changes him, and then eight years later, that person being an elder and leader in the church, and like, seeing from new believer to, to the person who's mentoring other new believers, just... It's just nothing better. Yeah. Yeah. And I could tell you story after story like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you're getting into that, um, were there any, you know, unexpected, I'm sure unexpected challenges of, you know, I mean, you decide you're going to plant a church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of that process. Uh, what were some of the maybe challenges that came along with? Uh, wow. Well, I distinctly remember when Woodbury Lutheran officially voted to go forward with the with the church plant. And I'd been working so hard to get to that point. I was really excited up to that point. But then when they voted yes, I had this like, oh no, <laughs> like what? What does this actually mean? Can yeah. can we actually do this? And it, it was one of the best growing experiences of my life because you just there you have to be dependent on the Lord. There's just there's no other way to do it. And mm-hmm. so. 
the growing for me was exponential. The challenges were great. I mean, everything was like, uh, if we don't do this in this time, we don't have the funding to go on. If this doesn't happen, um, but God was just faithful every step of the way. And uh, he gives, and I maybe you've all seen this in your life too. He he tends to give you exactly what you need when you need it, not usually before. Yeah. And uh, there is this dependence that just grows deep faith. And I'm very thankful for that for those years. Yeah. Yeah. So then since then, um, you've transitioned into working for an organization called Link. And, we'll, yes. and we will link. Ooh. Oh, oh. I see what you did yeah. there. That is Here, good. You get a shoulder tap for that one. Great. That is good. Uh, uh, from like, we're, <laughs> you better we're leave like a five star review for four, that one. That's four feet away say. from each other. Uh, we'll put their website in the show notes below. Uh, but they're an organization focused on empowering and equipping local leaders to influence their communities and draw them closer to Jesus. Yep. And you just recently got promoted to executive director of Link. That's correct. So congratulations. Boom. You're Another, a, you're oh, no, God, how do we do this moment? <laughs> right. Ben Griffin is a big deal now. Oh, hey, yeah. okay, it even says that's a big deal. Uh, can you tell us a little more about what Link is and what your new role consists of? Yeah, I can. And, and I want to say thank you to Woodbury Lutheran, because y'all may not know this, but Link in the Twin Cities exists largely because of Woodbury Lutheran. Started mm. as partners in mission way back in the day. You know, the uh, the original Fotenhauer uh, got that going. And then over the years, it transitioned into Link. And then Link had went through another transition or two over the years that now has led us to where we are today. Uh, Link stands for, it used to stand for Lutheran Interconnected Network Coalition. Say that fast. We, you know, we That's didn't a, get a lot of t-shirts with that on it. Yeah. Um, the, the description yeah. of the acronym would yes. take up like half the shirt. <laughs> and then we kind of went, no, it doesn't stand for anything. But what Link now stands for is L-I-N. NC, leaders in Silent E, every community. And we really believe the best way to spread the gospel, because our ultimate goal is that everyone would experience the gospel in terms they can understand from someone they know. So what's the best way to, to spread the gospel? Raise up leaders in communities that are already there and help them do what they're called to do. So very practically, uh, we raise up leaders who, who start churches. We lay, raise up leaders who start nonprofits, like Alfreda at Woodbury Lutheran, who's doing the micro school, like um, Abby, who's doing the Corey's House Home for Victims of Sex Trafficking, and so many more. Just in the Twin Cities, Link is working with 160 leaders on varying degrees of either theological education and tracks or starting specific ministries or just working in a community. So we raise up people to reach unreached people groups um, in various and creative and entrepreneurial forms. And in Link is here in the Twin Cities, but it's also in seven cities across the country. And that's now my job is to shepherd over those seven cities and look at how we can expand into the future. Yeah. And so that shift in job role um, yeah. is, you know, I, I'm sure that's a lot different. You're maybe mm -hmm. less kind of in the the nitty gritty of, of it and a little more uh, over, you know, overseeing all of it. Uh, how is how is that shift kind of in your mind? Um, how do you see kind of the responsibilities of what you're doing shifting in all of that? Yeah, Daniel, that's a perceptive question because uh, there's this book somebody gave me as I made this transition. What got you there? Uh, uh, what got you here won't get you there. Oh, okay. uh, that there is yeah. a shift that happens, especially in this kind of leadership where I'm not hands-on and you have to work on the organization more than you work in the organization or you're actually in the way of the mission of the organization. So hmm. I'm in the middle of, of that transition personally. And frankly, that's a big one. As a church planter and just the way God wired me, I'm often in 
in the detail, in the dirt of everything on the ground. And so uh, learning how to lead uh, and use my gifts in different ways now is uh, part of the process. Yeah. And so raising up leaders, um, how does how does Link go about, you know, how, yeah. how, do, you, how do you go from, uh, is it Link identifying someone that's like, hey, yeah. we think this is a leader. Is it someone coming to Link? How does that all work? This is the most common question. Where do they come from? <laughs> right? Where are these people? Where are these? And, and this is the most amazing thing about being in this world is I, I thought we'd go recruit. We'd have to go find people. But instead, when I first started, it was like, well, who are some leaders I know who could use some help, uh, somebody to walk alongside them who have a God-given dream and they just don't, you know, they need help moving it forward. I started with them. And we've done this in all the Link cities. And then, boy, they tell other people, or we just keep running into people. 160 leaders in the Twin Cities has come about because people have just needed, we just keep running into them. And I've come to find that um, developing leaders, we have, it, we have a problem in our society. And um, the issue is not that we don't have potential leaders or leaders out there. I actually think they're everywhere. What we have a problem with is how we actually raise up leaders. And um, I heard a speaker say once, he was talking about the prison system and how we all know that a lack of parents parents being present has has created some pretty big issues in our society. Like you look at the number of people in prison who are, are lacking uh, good parental support. Uh, but he said this, and this was game-changing for me. He said, but we have an epidemic in the church said only one out of four active churchgoers would say that they have a spiritual parent. Mm. And just think about that. Wow. Yeah, just think about that. So uh, when we talk about raising up leaders, the people are everywhere. Um, but what we do is we, we, we uh, our promise is no leader walks alone. Like we don't have all the answers. It's not that our system is great, but we say, hey, we're with you. Uh, we're not going to go anywhere, and we're going to work together to figure out how to accomplish what God's called you to do. And then we do build systems alongside of that, but the secret sauce is really just doing what Jesus taught us to do. Disciple, walk together, be in this for the long haul. Uh, a few years ago, and I'm sorry, I don't want to turn this into sermon, but uh, <laughs> well, maybe I do. And go for yes. it. <laughs> uh, a, a few years ago, Leadership Network did a study, and I don't know, I don't have all the details in front of me, but it was like 10 years ago, and it was like, asked all these churches, all different sizes, what is your biggest need? And almost all of them said, leaders, we need leaders. Yeah. And then everybody's been focusing on leaders the last 10, 20, 30 years. And then, then they did this survey again 10 years later, and guess what? The needle hadn't moved at all wow. because leadership development in the church has largely been relegated to classrooms and mm. pulpits and not to living rooms and life. And mm. that is where I think it really changes. That's why I think like what you're doing, Sarah, is just huge one-on-one-on-one -on -one -on -one, uh, with kids. Being They even say, too, for, for youth, they need five other adults other than their parents to speak mm. into their life. That, that, that's extremely important. So what we do is we, we have a process where we help. Like First step of leadership is follow a leader, then learning to lead self, lead others, lead leaders, and then lead a movement. A lot of people want to jump into those higher higher levels, but we all have to start with being a good follower uh, and then, and then uh, that relational aspect. Yeah. And so it's both simpler than we realize, but also something that we just are not really practicing. Yeah, and I love how the, how you kind of say it starts with leading, you know, the self, self. And, and because yeah, I think when people think of being a leader, a lot of times 
it's so scary because where their mind goes is immediately to leading a movement. What is like, right. oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? You know, mm-hmm. but, but walking them through it's, you know, it starts with yourself listening uh, to Jesus, listening to how he's equipped you and whatnot. And so That's exactly it. And so on a very practical level, mm-hmm. um, training or, you know, partnering with a leader and helping yeah. train them, what are the kind of things Mm-hmm. the objectives that you guys are are wanting to bring this person along through. Yeah, so we, those objectives fall into two categories, uh, being and doing. And again, because we're really discipling the person. So as, as we work with a leader, um, what are the things that we can help them growing in their walk with Jesus? Uh, who are they following? What do they, the leading self part is like, hey, do you have do you have a routine for being in the Word of God? What does your prayer life look like? And we all know leaders who are in movement-making levels but don't have that one and two, like, just follow a leader and lead self type. We call them donut leaders because we, we picture these as spheres and those middle circles are missing, and we've all seen massive failure by people in the church, especially, who have been in big leadership positions but have not had that that at the center. So so there's the be and the do part where where we come alongside and we want to help them grow in both their personal walk with Jesus, but then also on the professional side, we bring organizational help. So we often do strategy sessions. Hey, let's make a plan for this next year. How do we build a network around you? Uh, what are the next, what are the priorities that you need to be focused on? Hey, we can help you knock out your 501c3. We can help you build a network of people around you. Um, and then depending on what they're doing, like Alfredo with the micro school, that's a unique thing. So how do we network and connect uh, to bring the expertise that's out there around what she's doing. So we create what we call circles of support around leaders. And those, uh, one of the circles is a navigator who is somebody who's been down the road before who, who can walk with you. Another circle is an encourager uh, who just just loves on you, prays for you, you know, remembers your birthday, that kind of stuff, and, mm-hmm. and we, we do that kind of thing. And then another circle are strategic advisors, and those are people who just have a certain expertise, probably people listening to this. You have an expertise that life has given you or God has gifted you in, and you might pop in to help speak into something somebody's got going on. Yeah, yeah. Those different circles, yeah, that's so, so huge, I feel like. Yeah, because I think often with with leadership, it can become a pretty isolating thing. Yes. And you feel like you're in it alone. You're trying to navigate um, exactly how to like figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think of first starting in ministry of you've you've got these people that you're serving on staff with that seem to know what they're doing. And then you're the newbie that's like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but like, Sarah, they don't know. This is the the funny thing, and I'm not saying those specific people don't know because I, you're probably listening. But <laughs> but haven't you realized? Like I used to think that when I was a kid, like yeah. adults are so smart, they're running the world so well. And now I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong with adults? They are not running the world well. <laughs> like we all have this kind of in us. We need a guide. We yeah. need a navigator who's yeah. been down this road, made some mistakes that we can learn from. Yeah, and I think the mentoring piece of it is, and like, again, maybe I'm biased because I'm in youth ministry and I see this played out, um, and I have over over the years, and especially coming off of a, a trip like uh, the youth gathering of seeing these students that, that I have, like, there's one kid I know who, re- who listens to this podcast religiously, 
every week. One shout of my, out, shout out to you. Uh, I, you know you. who you are. I was going to say him by name. Okay. Um, so Dylan Hughes is one of the Dylan, Dylan listens like every single week. Um, and so he's one of those kids who I like, I've watched him grow up mm. and I, I babysat for them, uh, starting when he was like three, I think. And then all up until, wow. uh, he got his license. Like I would drive him around if the parents were out of town, whatever. Um, and so to be able to see the adults mm. that have come up alongside him mm. that weren't his parents is so key is so huge. And to see, um, because you like, you can have incredible parents, mm-hmm. but it's so important to have the other adults yes. that aren't your parents to speak in to your life because we like those adults get to be the non-biased adults. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's huge. And, um, like when I was creating small groups for the youth gathering, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, if I put this student with this leader, that could set something pretty great up so Mm. that they could then walk alongside this student, Mm. because I think this leader could see this and this student that not many other people see. And, um, and I think that that's, that's huge for all of us to be having eyes, um, for other, for like not even just teenagers, yes, right? But for adults in general, because it's not like, like you said, Ben, we don't have it all figured out. Right. None of us have we it don't. figured out. Like I still have mentors that I check in with to be like, hey, am I doing everything okay? Mm. <laughs> because I don't feel like I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no matter what stage of life we're at, we need those other people in our life to, to come up alongside us and be like, yeah. hey, you don't suck as much as you think you do. <laughs> um, you might a little bit, but there's grace. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and so this isn't uh, like under, if you're under 18, mm-hmm. you need a mentor. But it's uh, as we are disciples of Jesus, we'll forever and always need someone who's walking alongside Mm -hmm. us. And most of us, because we're probably in the 75% who are listening to this, are thinking, well, I need to find that person to be my spiritual mentor uh, or be my spiritual parent. Um, But most of us probably aren't thinking, who's the person God is calling me to be a spiritual parent to? And maybe you feel ill-equipped because you don't have one or you didn't have one, but that should make us feel all the more motivated to be that for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we aren't going to figure out, we aren't going to do it perfectly, but... But man, it just that's the way of Jesus. What did he say? Follow me. Like mm-hmm. that's like follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah. And with I that you know, as someone takes more of a leadership role in whatever aspect of life uh, that is, I think another huge part of it is the ownership of what you're doing and thinking specifically about like, you know, the youth at, at like the youth gathering for them to see that Hey, you're the future. You're right. you're the ch- you're the church coming up. Like you're you, are. you know, and and we need to not we're you're not it's not like you're going to be the church. You're you're the church now and we need to be putting you in positions of responsibility. You know, the more kids feel like they're not just coming and observing what the adults this thing that the adults do, but hey, this is this is my church. Mm-hmm. Like I have I'm doing things that if I didn't do these things like the ch- church would suffer because of it, yeah, you know. We need you. These and so being put in in these you know roles of of responsibility and uh, and encouraging and right a lot of times it starts with uh, encouraging someone, you know, mm. us as adults looking at people and saying, "Hey, I see something in you," and hey, you should. You, I think you would be awesome 
at this role. Mm-hmm. I really, I really think you know God's calling you to step into this role and encourage someone in that. I love that. That's such a great phrase you use there too. That I see in you, like it's just such a, such a powerful phrase. Yeah, uh, to see somebody and to encourage the things that God has already planted in them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I had this conversation just yesterday while I was sitting in the Austin airport for seven hours. Um, Our flight got delayed, which is super fun when you're traveling with a group of 54. Uh, Our flight was supposed to get in at five yesterday. We landed in the cities at 11. Oh, ouch. So, but like our kids, they were like incredible. Like they were just having fun, hanging out. Some of them were able to just like turn off their brains and just sit. Um, they, they played games. We did a scavenger hunt at one point. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but I was having this conversation with a student yesterday who they were talking about how, um, like where their maturity level is at and things like that. And I go, okay, so you might have a different view of yourself, but this is how I see you. Mm, and this so is like, you may think this, but this is like, I think you're doing much better than you think that you're doing. And, and this is the growth that I've seen you had. But then on the, like, they turned it around on me because I was saying how I don't, um, like, in, in the, all of the things of ministry, I, the thing that I feel like I'm the weakest in is leading a small group. Like, I, uh, I just don't, I have never felt like I've been a, a strong small group leader. And the student said to me, he goes, you may think that about yourself, but as the student who has been in your small group multiple times, like that's not true. Mm. Like you may think that about yourself, but that's not what I see in you. That's powerful. And so it's, it's that switch too, right? Where it's not just like the, the adults speaking those words over someone who's 14 years younger than you. But then that student being like, I'm going to say this. And I'm going to see this in you. Like, it's, it's interesting when that, like, it's cool when that, that switch happens. Um, but I think it's so huge to be able to see, because we get stuck in our own things that we know that we're not good enough in. Mm. But we could be lying to ourselves mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. More reasons to have mentors, because yeah. <laughs> they get to see a different side of you. Yeah, they do. That's so good. Yeah, I have a question for you, Ben. I, you know, thinking about, you know, it's one thing if someone comes to link and is like, you know, hey, I want to do this thing, you know, and kind of has that I I want to be a leader mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you think as a church in this, you know, epidemic of people seeing leaders inside of themselves, you know, yeah. that seems like that's kind of the first step. How do yeah. we kind of as, as the church as a whole s- start to create a culture mm. of people looking inside and seeing how God has equipped them uh, to be a leader in some area. And, and I guess kind of with that, is every is that something, do you believe everyone is equipped to be a leader or is mm. that something that some people are, some people aren't? Uh, how yeah. do you define that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think everybody has a role. Mm-hmm. Is everybody called to be a leader? Not necessarily. Um, nobody is called to do everything. Sometimes <laughs> we feel like that, especially when we're given announcements at church. Like, <laughs> you all... <laughs> Right. Yeah. Nobody is called to do everything, but everybody is called to do something. And how do we get to that point of okay, this is my something, and uh, and I'm flourishing in that because it's it's what God made me to do. Uh, I guess the simplest thing I can think of that in practice that that helps us grow in that is is this phrase: you you replicate what you celebrate. So what you celebrate, you replicate. 
So when, uh, when we as a church do, and I think Woodbury Lutheran does a good job of this, but celebrates the things that people are doing, the things they've called them to. When I was leading the, the church with the alley, you know, one of the challenges on the mission side is everybody wants you to give money to this and give money to that, and it's always hard to know what. So we actually made uh, some internal um, guidelines around that, one of them being that we would support the things that our people are personally involved in using their gifts to engage in. Because mm-hmm. what we wanted to do, and we kept saying, we're going to throw logs on your fire. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. Don't look at us to start that. We're going to turn around and say, that's a great idea you came up with. How do we throw logs on your fire so that you can do the thing God's called you to do? So the mentality of everybody is called to something. How are we equipping you to do that? And then how do we celebrate that as a win for all of us when those things start happening in small ways and big ways? Because yeah. some of us feel like a movement means the world must know about this thing and what we're doing. But And some of us are. Some of us are called to reach thousands and millions of people. But isn't it any less of a call to be called to reach a person? Mm-hmm. I mean, if your entire life was spent and you reached one person for the gospel— would would that be worth it? Yeah. And and then I go, That's but so what good. if that one person was my own kid or somebody that I care so deeply about? I would go, yes, Lord, the fact that you would take somebody and that their whole life would be set aside purely for my son or daughter to know the Lord, thank you, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, it would still be right? humbling. Yeah. Wow. Right? So we, we, we um, don't make the one person grand enough, and we probably over-grandize the big impact. And truth be told, just because a lot of people come, we think that's big impact. It actually may not be. It's a big crowd. Big impact really happens in small settings. Right, right. And I think a lot of times when people think of, you know, leaders when it comes to uh, the gospel, right, where does their mind go? It goes to pastors. It goes to the people you see up front. But the more that we can highlight that, sure, that's one way of being a leader, um, but there's all these other ways. Like we are, we are so limiting. You know, we Amen. in the Bible it talks about this bo- the body of Christ, right? Yes. It's not just one body part. There's it's a diverse body with all mm-hmm. of these amazing skill sets that God has uh, equipped us with, t- so that the church can go and do incredibly diverse ministries. Yeah. Um. And and to then be convicted, not not convicted, I guess, uh, certain that. God has equipped me for something. Yes. Yep. And and you know, the for you as the listener right now to just think about that. Mm. God has equipped you to to do so. He has he has wired you in a way yep. with a purpose um to to do so, you know something for uh for his kingdom. That doesn't mean church work necessarily. Amen. That could it can be a whole bunch right. of of different things uh but for people to more intentionally think about that more, that's I think so it's good. Huge. That's so good. When I go to the typical suburban church and I say, like, who here is called to full time ministry? Everybody will point at the Pastor Toms, right? <laughs> well, he is, or they are, right? Or, yeah. or the two of you. Uh, but when I go into the typical immigrant church, especially an African immigrant church, and I say, who here is called to full-time ministry, every hand in the place goes up. Mm. Wow. Because they're like, my life is ministry, right? That's what I'm called to do. And so there is a mentality yeah. uh, that you're talking about that I so agree. We are all we all have our part to play in the body. Yeah. And some of us might be the mucus, but that's still an important, <laughs> important role. <laughs> 
I love that's, that. I think that's our sound bite. Even I, if it's the music, the mucus. You might be the mucus. Every, of the body. everyone. The man, has. we need it. We do. A body without mucus it's is true. in bad that shape. Would really yeah. bad shape. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, I feel like a broken record of. Like I grew up hearing my mom say this when she was talking to parents of you don't you might not feel like you're equipped to to teach your kids about Jesus, um, but you are. It doesn't need to to be like just because we went to school for this doesn't mean that we're any better than mm. everyone else. Gotta love a good Jainism, <laughs> <Thank> right? <you. laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jane Dibburn. Um, she's gonna be on the podcast uh, coming yeah. up. Oh, that so is gonna be a fun. That one. is you're gonna wanna. Wow, you're gonna wanna hang around for that one. In, yeah, that's gonna, gonna be, a be ride. off the rails. That's gonna be a fun ride. Which it was funny at the at the youth gathering. Like I get that my mom is really cool. I've I've ex- like I've accepted that. I don't know why it'd be something I'd have to accept. <laughs> but I I forget how loved she is. Mm. And so I'm at the youth gathering and I'm seeing all of these people and they're like the first question out of their mouth. How's Jane? Oh, like every every like I saw uh, Chad and Brenda Trunkhill. Yeah, I ran into them while I was on the phone with my mom and they were both like, you have mom, you have Jane on the phone. Can, can we talk to her? <laughs> and everyone was like, how is your mom doing? Is she OK? And I'm on the phone with my mom and she goes, I guess I should have just come to the gathering, <laughs> just sat in the experiential center and just be like. Queen of the May, you yeah. can come visit her, me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so funny that all of these people from like very different walks of life are like, is your is how's your mom doing? Is she yeah, good? Is she nice. good? Like, yeah, she is currently up at the cabin living her best life. So <laughs> And a spiritual parent to many. So like hundreds of mm. people. Yeah. It's a great point. Right. And so I think it's like I, I'm a broken record when I when I say we are equipped. It doesn't need to be anything um, profound or anything no. like you don't need to be an eloquent speaker. You don't need to have right. a perfect grasp of strip scripture. All you need to do is look at a person and be like, I'm going to sit with you yeah. and I'm going to walk with you and we're going to we're going to grow as a disciple of Jesus together and I'm going to help you as we grow together. Oh, man, it's so crucial. So there's this little guy, Leland who is a, a spiritual kid of mine, extension of our family. Uh, they, he, they were neighbors of ours. <clears throat> and his father, Cha, passed away a couple years ago. And in the process of, of dying, he came to faith. Mm. I mean, he kind of was around the Christian church, but he really came to faith in that. God literally showed himself to him. And uh, before Cha died, uh, I mean, his son was six at the time, Lilo was six, he said, would you be like a father to my son when I'm mm. gone? So, so here's the thing, and I feel like, man, there's so much more. We need to spend more time with him. Um, there's so much more that we can be doing. But when we spend time with Leland, which we do regularly, and invest every Father's Day we do, his favorite time is sitting at the dinner table. Mm. Like, that's all we're doing, just sitting at the dinner table and being together. Like, he just, are we going to, like, he doesn't want to leave until we've had a family meal, and he's a part of that. So I do, I do think that we make it more complicated than it is. We're already equipped for that. Yeah. Invite people into what's already happened. Don't be afraid to not be perfect. Uh, our testimony is not about how perfect we are. It's, it's about how, how we are saved by a perfect Savior. And inviting people in to see us leaning on Him in the midst of our brokenness is huge. Yeah. And to be open. I mean, as listening to you know, your story, be open to the nevers in your life yeah uh, yeah right <laughs> you know like that's good to god can do 
such bigger things than your mind yeah. could ever imagine. Yep. And all you know, all we're called to do is just trust him Amen. and be open. Amen. Be open to, to what what might be he be calling me into, and then he'll take that and to far you know multiply what you ever thought infinitely uh, you, more, infinitely more than you could ever do uh, yourself. Uh, one thing you mentioned earlier that kind of uh, caught my ear was you talked about that difference between uh, the African culture of, yeah. of hearing, uh, you know, hey, we're all, we're right. all we're all in ministry, we're all, and and the culture here. Um, where where do you think that stems out of mm. for kind of the cultural difference that we see? Why maybe it's so hard for us. To, to think that way, but for them, that's such a natural thought process. Well, I'll, I'll share this, and I know I've shared this at uh, Wakota Ridge preaching before, but there's an interesting phenomenon we've noticed. Like, in, in Ethiopia in particular, people are coming to faith by the thousands. I mean, literally mm. by the thousands. But then you come here, you work with the same people, Ethiopian people. You do the exact same things they were doing in Ethiopia, and it is a trickle com- in comparison. And uh, the question is, well, what's the difference? And, and here's the biggest difference is I, I heard this uh, when I was conversing about it with a, an African friend of mine. He goes, well, in Ethiopia, many of those people, especially where these things are happening, they are, they are in such a dependent state. They know they desperately need help, and God is the answer. Here, we are, all get so comfortable that we don't think we need Jesus. It, mm-hmm. It's what I often call the test of prosperity, uh, you know, we love the test of prosperity. Like, give me more of the test of prosperity, yeah. right? But it's actually the harder test because with the test of adversity, we know we need, we know we're dependent on God for help. The test of prosperity, we don't see the need, and I do think that in our comfort, our comfort often leads to apathy. Mm, yeah. I mean that we see that in you know the story of Jesus with the the rich young ruler. Why does right. Jesus say, you know, it's harder for easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? Mm, he's he's so not good. saying it's sinful to be rich, but what he's saying is he knows the our yeah. heart of humanity, and the more that we have stuff and wealth and uh, all these things that seemingly we can put our trust in, put our hope in instead of God. They just take our focus off of him. And you go to a culture where, you know, from a worldly standard, life is harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, But from a spiritual standpoint, is it easier? Right. Because it's just such a natural, oh, I can so directly see how I am dependent on God. It's, It's, you know, there's... Whereas for us, you almost have to like work to get to that yep. point. Well, and let's just call out that fallacy. If you um, if you have more more stuff and more comfort, are we really seeing more contentment and joy? Right. Um, that, that we kind we we kind of think when I'm comfortable, then I will be joyful. But we see the opposite mm-hmm. is true, and it because it has nothing to do with what you have. It, it, there's something deeper at play. And yeah, well, we're, exactly tr- what we're talking about, and we're trying to fill it, fill a hole that yeah. nothing in this world can fill. Right? It was a right. hole meant uh, for God, and, and what he only can He fill. can fulfill. So many things fill, but only He can fulfill. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so see, can you tell I preach? I'm just I'm just reiterating yeah. all my sermons. <laughs> yeah, you probably are. Like I think I've I think heard I was, some of these. Yeah. I was actually I was actually there that Sunday. It was yeah. like fantastic. So yeah, there you go. 
Well, there you go, Sarah. Any uh, any closing thoughts uh, as we wrap things up here? Put a stamp, a bow. See, that's not fair. Like seems fair to me. I mean, it's fair, but my <laughs> my brain. You're, you're, is you are coming off a uh, a week long where I got no more than five hours of sleep a night. Yeah, and took like seventeen thousand steps over the course of the day. Sarah's not a morning person. I'm mm. not a morning. Is person. this morning? This in, Ben. <laughs> I know. I'm like this is afternoon to me. <laughs> I know. Still, yeah, still morning. <laughs> day two, the kids found me face down on the carpet. So, like, and that was day two. Wow. Uh. Nope, you said good words, Ben. <laughs> no, I agree with all of them. <laughs> she agrees with all of them. The end. Well, Ben, thank you so much uh, for eye spending eye. time with us. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I know you as a listener uh, were blessed. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's show and you want to uh, give us some of your support, uh, the first way you can do it is by subscribing to the podcast. We release uh, a new episode every week with different guests. Uh, Monday mornings at 5 a.m. You can get up with Sarah and listen right when it gets released. I've never done that. She's never done that. Uh, Also, the most helpful thing you can do for the growth of the show is you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. uh, And if you ever want to reach out to us personally, our contact info, along with any other information from today's episodes, the the link to link will be down in the show notes below. Love that. Uh, I hope you are able to join us next week as we continue together on this journey of growing as disciples of Jesus on the Disciples Mike podcast.